1: Greetings and welcome once again to LegalizeFreedom.com. I'm your host, Greg Moffat, and my guest today is Luke Dodson. In 2023, a full-spectrum assault on the human psyche is underway. From freedom of movement to freedom of thought and speech, and all points in between, a 24-7 media matrix is manipulating minds into believing the very opposite of the truth. Black is white, left is right, up is down, male is female. Campaigns of propaganda and censorship in lockstep with networks of control and surveillance are creating an insidious climate of fear and permanent crisis. The aim is to undermine demoralise and break down families, communities and entire nations, leaving people isolated, impoverished and weakened, both mentally and physically. It is nothing less than a war on independence, on identity and on reality itself. Hello and welcome Luke and thank you so much for joining us once again on LegaliseFreedom.com. Oh, thank you very much, it's a pleasure to be here. Look, today we're going to be taking a um, somewhat a scant's view of uh, current events, um, you know, personal, national, global, trying to interpret the times that we're living through, uh, maybe in somewhat um, alternative light. Before we get into that, I uh, just want to tell listeners a little bit about yourself and your work, just so they, if they haven't heard any of our shows together before, just so they they know who you are. Sure.
0: So my intellectual academic background um was in the field of english literature so um at university i was looking at the way language works and in the academic environment that uh, is often f- reasonably constrained in what you can you can do with that but um luckily i managed to um uh not end up in the uh in the the, the ivory tower of academia not that there's anything intrinsically wrong with it but the way it's going these days is a little bit uh, dicey for free thinking people as i know many academic friends of mine can can tell me um but i i have been putting that to use in the past sort of 3 years or so um getting back into writing and looking at the way in which language shapes uh, reality and so i kind of started that uh, in twenty twenty when a lot of the climate stuff was really kicking in in terms of the the extinction rebellion protests and obviously the covid the covid pandemic had just been declared um and looking at the way way in which words like um green sustainable carbon neutral net zero these sorts of words uh have been manipulated um and used and even coined in some some cases to uh, manipulate people's perceptions of reality um and further than that widening it out to you know ideas of transgenderism uh transhumanism um the attack on farming the um the sort of ongoing uh, squeezing of everyday life and biological reality by um uh, an overwhelming a seemingly overwhelming uh social and political force but um yeah that that that's a seeming uh, as as we will probably get into today
1: uh you're just talking about how the power of language shape reality and of course it re it really does and we, we think in terms of language you know if we if you're trying to work anything out you, you so often i don't know about you but i'll basically hear my own voice talking inside my own head working mm-hmm. things through. And if you don't have a word for something, then in some ways it doesn't exist. And I also thought it was interesting when you say that the that the pandemic was declared. Mm. Um, not that it happened as such. I mean, whatever you think about the events, you, but you used the word, it was declared. And it's kind of like, in a way, there wasn't a pandemic until the, the uh, telly box in the corner said so, you know?
0: Yes. Well, this was the odd disconnect between people's lived experiences of reality and the uh, the the linguistic framing kind of narrative framing it might be better to say that, that was placed around it so you would talk to people and, and they'd say well you know it's really bad out there the hospitals are overwhelmed and you know I, I have a friend of a friend who works in the NHS and you know, she says that, that they're they're just they're 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 completely overwhelmed. You go, Well, what about all these videos that are coming out of nurses that are dancing in empty corridors? Door um what about the statistics that show that in fact that in twenty twenty anyway, was the death rates really weren't significantly different from from the five year average or the ten year average or uh, you know, really it was perhaps not not much worse than a normal uh, or perhaps a reasonably bad flu season. You know, I'm not going to say for certain what was going on there. There are many different views on COVID and what it is and whether it was even a virus.
1: Ah, but look, your, your, your problem is that you're, you're reality based, you see, (laughs) (laughs) I can't remember which us politician said that. I know it was Carl Rove that said um, the neocon infamous one. You know, kind of we create when we act, we create our own reality. But there was definitely one of them, one of them talked about political um, or socio political opponents being reality based. And this was like meant to be a smear <laughs> on them, if you see what I mean. Um, I'm going to refer, yeah, plug for my own stuff. I'm going to refer listeners to a couple of vlogs that I did during the pandemic phase. I, I mean, I did about a dozen, but one is entitled Words Are Weapons. Don't hex yourself which is about the power of language and, and how you call, you can take a phenomenon or, or a thing, whatever it is, call it one thing and it that that defines it, call it something else, a different arrangement of the alphabet. And then in, in some people's minds, it, beca- it the thing itself changes. Mm. And of course it can't. And the other video was COVID-19, where exactly is the pandemic? Question mark. And for me, that was so fascinating because um, I got a, um criticism for saying there wasn't a pandemic but what i was exploring in that video was an idea that i mean i'd love to write a book on which was if i relied solely on the evidence of my own five senses at no time did i see any evidence for a pandemic mm. no all I, i'm i realized i said in the video you know we couldn't travel very much we couldn't travel very far You certainly couldn't just walk into a hospital and check it out. There was a few journalists who tried that, and they they got their comeuppance pretty fast when they tried just to walk in with a camera. But I was simply saying, no matter what took place around the country, around the world, no matter what the experiences of all these other billions of people, for me personally, and obviously some other people, I saw no evidence for it. And to me, that's just interesting. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's just interesting that... uh, My eyes, my ears, my nose. It was like at no time during that was there evidence for it. Everything that would signal that there was something going on uh, was media. Even if it was footage of people falling over in the streets in China or images of ambulances racing around the place, that's still what that was. And Mm. if you took it at face value, that in itself wouldn't constitute evidence. It wouldn't stand up in court, let's put it that way.
0: Hmm. Hmm well it's interesting isn't it because now the evidence of something happening seems to be the the number of people that are dropping dead or getting ill or the number of gigs that have been cancelled because music, musicians are um coming down with mysterious illnesses and such like um and in the the local town nearest to me you know last last winter there was two people dropped dead of of, um, of stroke related sort of heart related uh, cardiac incidents um, within the community of people who ran shops and you know their, their partners and wives and husbands and everything um, and more and more people here and there, it's not like everyone it's not like a sort of zombie apocalypse film but it's just you suddenly go, there's a lot of people getting sick and dying at the moment but the media's not talking about a pandemic they're talking about all the other things that that are apparently going on um so yeah and that obviously that that brings up the um the the thorny issue of the vaccines um which you know we can we can go into and i i'm probably not the best person to speak to about it because i i haven't really been paying much attention to the science uh there are plenty of people who are at all the statistics or anything like that um again i'm just sort of going on my own gut instincts about these things and the number of people who seem to be getting sick and that the you know the the whole when the the vaccines were announced i immediately just went oh here we go this is the thing that the uh the crazies were warning about all along and, and now it's happening <laughs> it's like
1: yeah. I observed how, um, not saying that they they were all somehow spot on, uh, because a lot of them were obviously, uh, you know, fanatical nut jobs. But the evangelical preachers, Christian preachers in the U.S. Mm. of the type that we saw in the '70s and the '80s, it was really interesting. As if you did a, a deeper reading of events around the pandemic, you know, the measures and the restrictions that were brought in, particularly the idea of the mark of the beast. Your COVID tests on your phone, for example, or on your device, in order to be able to enter a shop or do anything like that and engage in life, how much that resembled the Mark of the Beast. So, for all their faults, a few people observed. You say, hang on, you know, some of these guys, you know, literal Bible thumpers, you know, Hmm. who who were on cable TV, um, they actually got quite a lot of this right, and they they sort of said it was coming. You know, it was coming soon in the early twenty first century, specifically. So, again for me that's just as a someone interested in in metaphysics and uh in you know in deeper reality that's just you know you that's not me taking a position on any of this actually i just think it's fascinating you know to to examine things you know through these different lenses you know it's because there's so much more going on even the most mundane events uh, there's so much more going on really at different levels
0: yes yes which which brings us to the metaphysical dimensions of what's been going on as we've been we've been discussing together recently um and and you know many many of your recent conversations have been been moving towards this as well uh, on legalized freedom and a lot of mine as well with with my blog um what What's going on here behind the scenes? So, you know, you you have these um, evangelical Christian types that have been talking about a vaccine being the the mark of the beast and the book of Revelations coming true for quite a number of years. Uh, And then all of a sudden you've got all of the churches kind of falling in line and saying, yeah, going to have all the vaccines, close the churches at the lockdowns and all this. Um, There was even at Salisbury Cathedral, they had a a kind of vaccine ritual where they played organ music and they opened it up as a vaccination center. And it was one of the creepiest things I've ever seen. Um, So I can completely understand why people are looking for some sort of um, spiritual explanation, uh, mystical, metaphysical explanation. Um, and recently, you know, Naomi Wolf got a lot of attention for this article she wrote about uh, the ancient gods. Have the ancient gods returned? And and um, I've written a response to it recently. Um, and I'd also be interested to hear your own thoughts on on that. Uh, as you know, obviously, you've had quite a quite a wide range of people on on your show, um, and you know you. you you definitely aren't going to be um, constraining yourself to the line that this is, you know, one dogmatic vision of reality is uh, the correct one and, the, you know, this is the right way and anyone who doesn't follow this is a, you know, that that's just not really what you or I are really about. Um, so I, I'm, I'm interested to hear your, your responses to people like Naomi Wolf kind of saying, well, it's because we turned our back on Yahweh yeah, well, as you say, or as you've alluded to there, that's just one,
1: you know, way of looking at it within a certain uh, religious or spiritual framework. You know, I mean, I wouldn't agree with that, and there's lots of other people that might take quite narrow, specific positions on it that I, I wouldn't or couldn't agree with simply because I don't know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it's just it's just something about her worldview creeping into um, otherwise quite often, you know, solid response to what's been going on. Uh, that's just her as a reflection of her personality as much as anything else, her psyche. And mm. um, I know Thomas Sheridan took a guest on Legalized Freedom many times. He took issue with this because he was, as a pagan himself, he was really disappointed with her for like going down this route. But what what she's tapping into is what what you've been talking about, which is the metaphysics of this. So in that sense, you know, she's onto something, but I think just sticking a, you know, pinning it on a particular You know, pantheon or a particular spiritual religious tradition is kind of missing the point. Really, it's it's um it it doesn't go far enough, and in a way, you know, it doesn't go deep enough. It just stops at a certain point. Go, this is what it is. No, Mm. no, no. What what she's arrived at is just hinting at what it might be. The idea that it was the whatever, whether they were forces of nature or whether they're the planets, you know, the heavenly bodies, whatever the the ancient gods were. Maybe maybe some of them were, were were sentient biological creatures we don't know but whatever they were i find it unlikely that whether they were beneficent towards uh human beings or whether they were vengeful and wrathful whether they tormented human beings or whether they inspired them that it would be down somehow to these entities doesn't really make sense for me entities yes but again if people explore some of the recent material that you've written and some of the recent shows i've recorded you can get more more depth on this um you know, have different people's, different researchers and writers' ideas about what might be going on. We've really only got time today to, well, to somewhat to generalize, I think, because there's so many potential theories, aren't they, about what the metaphysics
0: of this might be. Mm, mm. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you mentioned planetary bodies, and that that reminds me that a lot of people in the sort of truther movement seem to have a real issue with Saturn. Um, which i find really funny because you know from a from a astronomical perspective saturn is a planet in the solar system from an astrological perspective saturn is just another energy that is you know no no worse than any other and indeed approached with the right respect and caution uh, can be extremely beneficial and helpful um uh, but the the idea of Saturn seems to, or well, the idea of a kind of Saturn cult in the elites, which uh, there, there might be, I suppose. But as I've, I I, I wrote something around Christmas time with um, reference to uh, another blogger called Kimberly Steele, who's a very interesting woman um, who I've had on on my podcast as well. And both of us around that time were, were writing about the figure of Saturn as a, a, a an imposer of limit, um, a, a force of limit. You know, who within within that within those limits can be very very uh, sort of generous. You know, like Santa Claus. Santa Claus is the spirit of Christmas, and Christmas partly originates from Saturnalia, which is the the um, the celebration of Saturn and the celebration of the time when Saturn ruled, which the Romans thought was a golden age. Um, so you've got this interesting, you know, Saturn's an interesting figure. And, and what it seems to me is that if there's a Saturn worshipping cult amongst the elite, then I don't think they're worshipping him in a very good way because basically they're doing an Ebenezer Scrooge. You know, they're saying... Limits for thee, but not for me. Uh, you have to stay in your pod and eat the bugs, but we can fly around in our private jets and eat steak and have a have a great time, just jetting around the world and hobnobbing with each other. Um, and that Saturn doesn't go for that. In astrological terms, you know, he he's he, he's a he's a, a stern a stern. Force and um, anyone who sort of tries to exempt themselves from his wrath is going to feel it probably a lot more than 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 others. You know. Well, I think the form that we're incarnated in, whether you
1: believe in reincarnation or you know multiple lives or different levels of existence, uh, this being just one of them, it, it would seem in many interpretations um, that this is the most limited form. That hmm. we we incarnate in, and life is nothing if not limitations, and and the law of limits is one of the seven laws in occult philosophy. Hmm. Um, you know, it's very very important. You know, I mean, unlimited, um, can be it's a double edged sword, isn't it? Really, if you think about it in terms of anything, on Un- unlimited abundance, you know, hmm. is that, uh, is that a good thing? On you know, unlimited suffering, you know, <laughs> yes. you know So, uh, limits are important um what you were saying about um about that in the in the con- context of global elites you know whether political or corporate or whatever and it's one law for one group and one for another the, the other being you and I and pretty much everyone listening to this a metaphysical interpretation of, of of world events at the moment doesn't necessarily change the events as i said just you give it a different name or look at it differently it doesn't change the thing perhaps but i think it really helps to potentially to understand even if the metaphysical interpretation turns out to be incorrect i think just looking you know just lifting the lid on pandora's box i think is a worthwhile exercise even just doing that admitting that there is there are other levels is really important so we saw this after 9 you know in how the world changed really we talk about the post nine eleven era and i think we can very clearly see that there was an assault on the collective human psyche at that time, which we never really recovered from. You could say the same, for example, about the First World War and the Second World War, of course. Mm. Um, and we went through this again with COVID. And I even did a video, COVID nine eleven, a warning from history, mm. draw, drawing parallels because you know, having lived through nine eleven, having you know, got up on the morning of that day and, and saw on television what had happened. I knew instinctively straight away that the world would change, no matter what, either whether we all went to war or not. I knew this was something operating on multiple levels. The same with the pandemic phase, of course. As that sort of eased, or certain you know restrictions eased, and people were five percent less hysterical about it all, then things things did feel better in many ways. I mean, even you and I, I'm sure, were just relieved to be able to just go about our daily. Uh, business you know with a little bit less restriction, but since that time, there has been albeit um it's more it's more kind of atomized it's more distributed, but the assault on the collective and individual psyche, the assault on reality the assault on our sanity and on our bodies as well is just as powerful i believe that it was during the pandemic phase, but it's not as focused on what 's not laser like as i say it's it's scattered. So we have all these issues that, you know, you mentioned the gender and trans issues, um, uh, you know, the woke kind of agenda, issues around, um, uh, you know, economy, energy, you know, social problems, immigration, all sorts of cultural upheavals doesn't change those events, you know, as I say, a different interpretation, but it's helpful, I think, when you're trying to get to grips with it. And if taken in the round, Uh, certainly it feels like some kind of social, cultural war. There's no doubt about it. I mentioned to you off-air about my experience of uh, news headlines. I don't read or watch the news anymore, but I still see headlines. And it's one thing after another. It
0: really is sustained, unrelenting assault. Yeah, yeah, it it really is an assault of propaganda. Um, and, And I think that's a really interesting way of putting it, that the whole the whole thing has become much more dispersed. And it's, I, I agree, I, what it feels like to me is that there's a certain pulling back and regrouping. So we had the 2020, which was this sort of, you know, wallop, just bang, here's a thing to be afraid of, stay in your homes until there's a vaccine. Here's the vaccine, you know, two billion shots, three billion shots, whatever it is now. Now they're kind of like, oh, all right, well, that, I- things probably we probably milk that thing enough now they're having to burn all these doses of the vaccine the truth about the vaccines is still very much up in the air but the evidence coming out doesn't look good and it's increasingly coming out in the mainstream media they're using people like woody harrelson um and and to, to a certain extent russell brand i think not to impugn anything about their own personal motives, but it seems to me that they're being allowed a voice now to in the the mainstream public eye to uh, voice questions about the pandemic, about the the, um, the vaccines, as a kind of you know what they call a limited hangout, a kind of like just slowly step back from that and let's regroup and find something else, um, assuming that there isn't another faction or factions within the elite within the media info sphere you know that aren't also trying to gain control by attacking that narrative you know they may have been against it all along who knows um it's it's one thing it's one thing to be
1: against one elite group it's another thing to be uh, you know in defence of, you know, the wider society, the victims of said propaganda.
0: Yes, yes, which is, you know, why I, 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 I won't sort of second guess the motives of these people within the mainstream who are talking about that. Whether it's Andrew Bridgen or um, um, Russell Brand, or I just don't know because I don't know these people personally, so I can't really get even a, a, a sort of embodied reading of them but certainly um feels like there's a a pulling back and a a regrouping right where should we go next what should we what should we pull out next yeah you know? it does feel
1: like that doesn't it it's kind of like um normal service or abnormal service will be resumed as soon <laughs> as possible in the meantime here's some music <laughs> you know, and that's all, all of the nonsense that we're seeing. Now, you mentioned Russell Brand. I think one of the reasons why, and David Icke sprang to mind straight away, I think one of the reasons why Ike has never, ever been even close to being allowed, I mean, the Channel 4 made that documentary a few years ago, actually, which was interesting. David Icke, uh, was he right? But he's never even come close to being allowed that limited hangout because they just can't control him. Ike, having met him and, and worked with him for a while, I think he's a genuine article. He, no matter what you think of his views, I mm. think he's—I think he's a sincere guy. And I think someone like Russell Brand um, is, is absolutely controllable. Mm, mm.
0: Yeah, there's a there's a slickness about Russell Brand, isn't there? Um, you know, I, I've not met Russell Brand. I I have come close to meeting him, and I've known—I know people who have met him. And yeah, I mean. His name says it all. He's the Russell Brand. You know, he's a super slick communicator, Um, quite an imposer in conversation. Sort of talks like this really fast and he just steamrollers over everyone else and he just keeps going. Come on, mate, just chill out. That's that's actually a very good impression. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I should, uh, yeah, go into Russell Brand impersonations. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. We'll have a an internet to work with in the future, yeah. Well, talking about um,
1: some of the aspects of what's, or what, you know, of current world events, and we've been talking about this metaph- metaphysical dimension. A lot of the, even at a superficial level, um, issues such as you know, gender and trans and the, the woke thing and um, immigration issues, a lot of social cultural. Let's just say seems to be built around, and you 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 mentioned farming actually at the top of the hour, a lot of it seems to be about breaking down societal and cultural institutions, you know, putting wedges within families, within communities, within entire societies, you know, within countries, within um, certain, you know, nationalities, within ethnicities. It's all about breaking, and again, within, uh, you know, gender uh, norms you know which apply in the animal world as well It's so only we're starting to deny it in the, in the human realm so but that is really about breaking down solidarity as i see it so individual sanity and um kind of will you know and morale and then taking that and putting it right across the entire spectrum of society so no matter almost no matter what topic we could get onto to here that seems to be Kind of what it 's aimed at, you know even all of the environmental proposals that are there, seemingly you know to improve um, our, our living conditions and to you know to clean things up and optimize them and make them sustainable, what that often amounts to in reality are measures that you know everyday people do not like it's not it 's to their detriment, it may be allegedly to some beneficial end, but in the in the medium sorry, in the short to medium term, it's detrimental and, mm. and it's you know it serves to undermine their 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 morale and their ability just to,
0: to um to live. Mm. yeah yeah absolutely one of the the aspects of the sort of I'll call it the current thing mindset, you know, the I don't want to call it normie or NPC because that's a little bit derogatory um i don't want to judge a person a type of person will create a sort of again a schism uh, a, you know a division within society which is what all of these these campaigns are basically all about anyway um but the, the sort of the mindset of a, of of the current thing i support the current thing you know that meme that that's that's quite popular these days which sums it up so well which is that it, there seems to be an unwillingness to really question whether the thing is as it's advertised. And you find this even amongst people who've previously have prided themselves on being free thinkers, non-conformists. Maybe they've even dabbled with nine eleven uh questioning revisionism. Um, I know quite a few people like that. There's quite a few people in the media like that, um, Matthew Bellamy from Muse springs to mind um you know, I went through nine eleven nine eleven denial for a while, but yeah, I just came out of it now I realize that it's all a load of conspiracy nonsense it it's that right, well, I went through a phase of conspiracy theory when I was a teenager, and you know it's kind of like being a goth or something, <laughs> like it just oh yeah i I did that for a while, and now i just I take things at face value because that's what nice. Well-adjusted liberal people do, you know. It clearly is about racism. This thing. It couldn't. If anyone questions it, then they must be a racist. Or, you know, if you this thing clearly is about climate change and saving the environment. So, if you question it, then obviously you don't care about the environment. And well, there's a there's a flip side to that, though, isn't there?
1: That some things, if you do take them at face value, you end up with an interpretation completely at odds with the the mainstream interpretation. So, you know, calling a spade a spade, for example, is like, oh, it's a spade. Oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. It's not a spade. <laughs> you know, that type of thing. So that works both ways. Don't you find that sometimes you'll see, you know, you or I or anyone else might observe events or whatever and just say, oh, okay, well, taken at face value, this is what it is. But in order to fall in line with the, the, the sort of media propaganda interpretation, you have to see it as something other than what it actually is.
0: Yeah. Yeah, again, bringing it back to the sort of denying the evidence of your own eyes and and creating a wedge between your lived experience of reality and the the narrative framing of it. So, oh, you know, there is a pandemic going on, even though I don't really see much evidence of a pandemic, but you know, they say it is, they say it's really bad. So it's got to be bad. So all those people who refuse to wear masks and get vaccinated must just really hate the elderly and they just don't care about people and all the rest of it.
1: Well, we live in such black and white times, don't we? It's one thing or the other, Uh, even though, you know, we're often told, you know, up is down, left is right, black is white. Mm -hmm. Um, We It's kind of the evidence of your five senses is very important. I've been, I've been stressing that we both have, and we've been talking about looking beyond that. So for me, it's full spectrum. It's my five senses and it's my sixth sense Mm. work, work with as many, you know, whatever tools you've got, whatever is at your disposal for interpreting reality as you experience it. Yet your five senses are vital, but also Mm. don't deny that which we are told has no validity, which is your, your, your gut sense, your intuition. Mm. that's so important and the, mm. the whole point is balance and i think we're living in very unbalanced times if you rely solely on your intuition for everything sometimes it'll work sometimes it won't Ditto if you only rely on your five senses or what's on the tv or what's on the internet that's not going to serve you well all the time either so it just seems like, well, like these things are mutually exclusive in many people's minds Well of course they're not you know
0: mm. Mm. well i i'm reminded of jung's uh categorization of um the personality types as being the, the i think it's intuition sensing feeling and thinking uh, and i can't remember quite remember how they i think sensing and feeling and intuition and thinking might be sort of two um two binaries a bunch together but um all of those or however you you pass out all of the means epistemological means of apprehending reality, whatever reality is that you you kind of need to use them in a full spectrum way as you say you need a bit of intuition, you need a bit of you know intellectual thought uh you need to take what other people say on board um but you can't believe everything that they say either you know if you just sort of only believe in your own. Interpretation of re- events, regardless of what other people tell you, regardless of what evidence comes up, and you just go out, and you end up, you know, one of those, one of the people who wanders up to you, people who wander up to you in the street and start telling you about how they uh, they just you know they just had a cup of coffee with Ringo Starr or whatever, um, and you're just completely on your own, you know, and but also. You've got to have a little bit of willingness to step away from the, the apparent consensus reality, which often hasn't got much to do with reality these days.
1: No, that's certainly the case. As I said before, it's like the, there's the the world of the news headlines and then the what I call the the hair helmet guy, which is you know a news reader or a politician who's got like one of those haircuts that looks like if they turn their head suddenly that the hair will stay in the same place. You know, it's <laughs> it's like it's just resting on there. So the hair helmet brigade tell us one thing. And you look out the window, it's the other. It's like that the rain is beating against the window, but uh, your weather app on your phone says it's sunny. Mm. So which one are you going to go with? Well, one yeah. of the things about these, that again, some of the topics we've talked about, these very divisive topics, uh, societal and cultural issues, is how things that really aren't issues become blown up into enormous issues and how things that are very definitely major issues um become verboten you could or you can only speak about them in a certain way with a certain spin a certain angle a certain come at it from a certain strand of opinion so an example of the former would be the the trans issue you know Mm. affecting at most maybe not 0.5 percent of the population anywhere in the world on average usually a bit less than that but that has become just the sort of you know the one of the issues de jour the thing that you never ever stop hearing about you know and whole careers are, are made and broken on this uh, recently here in the uk we had the leader of the scottish national party and the um the, the, the head minister um in scotland Nicola Sturgeon, who recently resigned over this because she'd been trying to push a trans a, a bill through the Scottish Parliament that would have allowed anyone, I think 16 and over, I think that's right, to basically go for, you know, um, declare themselves to be whatever gender they wanted to be and enter into a surgical transition without cons- without actually medical, proper medical consultation with, and basically also without uh, parental permission. And mm-hmm. that was voted down, interestingly, and she resigned as a result And today, I noticed that the leader of the Labour Party in England, Keir Starmer, the very epitome of the hair helmet guy, is saying that um, Labour, who are currently in opposition, it's the Tories that are in power, so-called, Labour need to sort out their trans stance if they wish to win the next election. Now, I thought to myself, this could go either way. Either he means that they've got to you know, embrace the whole trans thing and say that, yeah, anybody can have their breast or their penis cut off or whatever, you know, go for it. It's a free-for-all. Don't worry about what your parents think. Don't worry about consequences later in life. You want to do it when you're six? Go for it. <laughs> or, or, he means actually that he's looked at what happened to Nicholas Sturgeon. And he's thinking, hmm, could that happen to us? That concludes part one of our interview. Part two will be available soon in the subscribers area at LegalizeFreedom.com
0: legalizedfreedom.com